Good morning, North Avenue Church of God. It's so good to see all of you this morning. I recognize that um, those of you that are here can obviously tell that I'm not present in the room. I'm actually um, recording this ahead of time so that our family can get away this weekend and go visit lovely Warner Camp. Hopefully some of you have some plans to go out there this summer. Um, I'm on the board at Warner, and we have decided, they have decided to do some youth camps out there this year. And also camp meeting is on as scheduled, so we're excited about that. But this weekend, um, we've kind of decided to get away a little bit so that we can get some rest and recuperation. So I'm, I'm coming to you via video today, um, but believe you me, this message is important nonetheless, and I'm glad to be able to present it. We've been talking about this whole idea of what is next and, and how do we decide what the next steps are. And as we've talked about that, we've been looking at the scripture verse from Proverbs 29, verse 18. And again, I don't usually use the message translation, but in this particular case, I really like the message and what it says. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And so if if we don't see what God is up to, if we can't see the vision, if we don't see the revelation, then we have a tendency to fall all over ourselves. I love that terminology. Um, And again, I've shared with you, I've I've started working on my bathroom again. And and at times I feel like I'm falling all over myself. But I shared with you last week that the more I get the plan and the vision in mind, the easier it is to kind of go forward. And so we've been doing that. As we think about what's next, we've talked about four different stops along a continuum so that we can find the revelation of God. so that we can see what he's up to and, and again, stop stumbling and start going in the right direction. And those steps are this. We started with the farthest one first because we need to know what direction we're moving in. And that first one is make a difference. Make a difference. Even secular uh, psychologists will tell you that people feel far more comfortable and far more happy and far more joy-filled if they have a sense that what they're doing in life is making an actual difference. And so we want to make sure that we get to the place where we're making a difference. But before we can make a difference, we need to know what part we play in life by discovering our purpose. And so once we discover our purpose, that makes it easier to know how it is that God is going to use us to make a difference. Uh, Before we can look forward, however, we first have to find freedom from those things that have gone behind. Last week we talked about finding freedom from our past and freedom from sin and living in the freedom that Jesus died to give us. And you really can't go forward until you release the shackles that that have been holding you back from your past. And then finally today, we're going to talk about what is the first and probably the most important step of all, and that is simply to know God. Now, some of you that have been in church all of your lives, some of you that have studied the Word of God, maybe you haven't been in church, but you feel like you have a strong relationship with God, or, or you at least do some religious things may feel like, why do we even need to talk about this? I I know who God is, and and I know what he's all about. So you might say that that you know God. But what I want to share with you is that when Jesus talked about knowing God, he probably spoke in Aramaic. But the words used by his disciples who recorded the stories um, was a Greek word, and the Greek word is gnosko, gnosko. This word means an intimate knowing, a deep knowing. It's a word that has different shades of meaning depending on how it's used, but most often it has to do with the kind of knowing that happens once you have personal experience with someone. 
In fact, if you go down through the list of possible meanings for this word, um, one of the meanings of this word is actually tied to the love that a husband and a wife have for each other and the intimacy that develops in a marriage relationship. In fact, there's some evidence that in the first century when the Greeks would talk about the, the relationship, you know, that, that close physical relationship between a man and the woman, that gnosko was one of the euphemisms they would use. They would kind of say it to be polite rather than actually describing it. And so this word has to do with the most intimate relationship between people and and a way of knowing that was actually kind of almost embarrassing as the word became used more broadly in that sense. But make no mistake about it, as we come to know the Savior, one of the things that, that God makes clear to us from the words of Jesus is that the knowing that he wants us to have of him, that the relationship that he wants us to have with him is one that is intimate, it is deep, Deep. It's not just a surface level. Listen to what Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23 talk about. Because Jesus gives us more of a clue what is expected of, of us and how we're actually supposed to come to know God. Let's read it together. Not everyone, he says, who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, right? We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. In in our vernacular today, they might have said, well, we went to church every Sunday, right? I gave a lot in the offering plate. Um, I sang religious songs every time I drove my car. I listened to podcasts that, that were Bible teaching all the time. Um, you know, I, I did good deeds and, and all of those kind of things. But Jesus' reply as we come back to verse 23 is this. But I will reply to them, I never knew you. And there's that gnosko word again. I never knew you personally. I never knew you intimately. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, friends, in some ways, I don't like the picture that this passage paints because it paints a picture of the judgment day. Now, the Bible describes judgment day in a lot of different ways. And, and it's one of those things that, that sometimes people get in, into debates about how exactly is it going to happen? What's it going to look like? But honestly, it's not something we need to debate. It's just something we need to, to take and comprehend. Because no matter how hard we try to understand what's going to happen in the end, it, it surpasses in a lot of ways our understanding. So we need to take Jesus' words to heart and simply know there will be a judgment. And on that day, each one of us is going to be judged. Now, interestingly enough, we have no idea how that's going to work. I don't know if God's going to have a pile of people sitting over here and and eventually he's going to call, you know, Jeff Eckman, please report. It's your turn. I have no idea how that's going to happen. But when it's my turn or when it's your turn, there's going to be one thing that we can actually say or have accomplished that's going to allow us to enter into eternal um, uh, rest instead of eternal punishment. And I, as a pastor... And as your friend, and as a co-believer in Christ, want to make sure that you have the right answer on that day. Because there's really only one right answer. And the right answer that Jesus points to in this passage is simply this. That we need to know God. That we need to understand who he is and know him personally. You see, he's not looking for us to have a bunch of religious things as a part of our lives. He's not looking for us to be religious and, and to obey lists. God on that day... We'll be looking deep at our hearts, looking to see whether we have the right answer. And the right answer is simply this, that we know God in a gnosko kind of way. 
Let me share with you another scripture where Jesus kind of drives this point home. It's found in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, and then again a few verses later in 7 through 9. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Now let's just stop there right for a second. Isn't it interesting how when somebody new comes along and something good is happening, as was happening with Jesus and his disciples, how come there's always some person there that wants to point back to the traditions that you're breaking and cause trouble? Why is that, right? Please let that not be us. When when something new begins to happen and God is moving and working in a good way, please don't ever be the one standing around going, why why, why are we not still maintaining this particular tradition? And and Jesus goes on and and basically kind of gives them an example of how they're actually breaking tradition in some of the ways that they're holding up their own traditions. They're, They're breaking with God's law, I should say, in order to uphold some of their traditions about obeying your parents. But then if we skip down, um, well, actually, I didn't read verse 3. Let me share that with you. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? And then, as I said, he gives them an example of one of their traditions that violates the law about honoring your parents. And then he continues in verse 7. He says, you hypocrites. I don't know about you, but if Jesus is calling me a hypocrite, that's a sad day, and I don't ever want to be in that position. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me. Listen to this. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Listen, God does not want your religiosity. He does not want religiousness. He does not want your obedience to traditions like washing your hands the right way. And, and some scholars believe what the disciples were doing wrong. When you ceremoniously washed, you weren't allowed to just flick the water off this way. You had to hold your hands up like this until the water ran off of your elbows to make sure that every part of your hand got clean. Um, there's always going to be somebody pointing to a man-made tradition. But what Jesus says is, listen, I want to see your heart in it. I want to see your heart close to me. I don't want you to just follow the regulations. If we go on to Matthew chapter 25, there's another parable where Jesus again drives the point home. And this one's interesting because as Jesus starts the story, he kind of sets the Jews up by going in a direction where they think they know exactly where he's headed, but then he kind of does an about face on them, and, and turns out, he, he kind of goes back the other way. Listen as I read this, and again, some of you may have heard this before, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 12. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now again, remember, Jesus is setting us up. The Jews are thinking, all right, you know, in in the Jewish faith, wisdom, preparedness, all of these things were the best. And so they think, okay, Jesus is going to teach us a lesson about being prepared, about, you know, keeping alert, all this kind of good stuff. But watch what he does. At midnight, he says, they were roused by the shout. And this would have been a typical kind of shout. They would have definitely announced the bridegroom. He says, look, the bridegroom is coming. Get out and meet him. At once, all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. 
Of course, the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. Now, again, Jesus is setting them up. The Jews think they know where this is going. They think, okay, he's going he's gonna to talk about how these five got in and the other ones weren't you know, let in because of the fact that they were prepared. Here we go. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. Now, wait a minute. Jesus builds the case. He he basically leads them in a direction of be prepared, be vigilant, don't fall asleep while you're waiting for the bridegroom, which which again was a symbol of Christ and his coming and in the second coming of Christ. And basically he sets the Jews up and and even his disciples so they think they know exactly what Jesus is going to say. And then he gets to the end. And instead of saying, you should have brought more oil. Instead of saying, you weren't quite virgin enough. Or or whatever the the Jews thought he was going to say. Instead, he says this. He says, listen, I don't know you. And, And again, there's that word, gnosko. I don't have relationship with you. I don't have prior experience with you. I don't know you like a friend. And so Jesus, again, proves the point that it's not about all of the lists. It's not about the oil. It's not about the lamps. It's not about even being vigilant. It's about the heart relationship that we have with Jesus. We need to know him in an intimate way. You know what? This church is full of good people, but they're not perfect people. We are not a church filled with people that are perfect. But friends, we are a people who I believe are in love with a a God who is very much alive and well today. And that's the God who wants to know each of you personally. But you know what? There's a lot of people in the church who, who think they know him. In that story that we read at the beginning, there are many who say, Lord, Lord. And yet Jesus is going to say, I don't know them. The fact that there were many of them really disturbs me. Because I want to believe that in a church that I pastor, for instance, that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved, that that they're going to be good at the judgment. And yet what he says leads us to believe that there are many in the church who think that they know God, but they don't actually know him. And so I'm going to give you three things very quickly that are an indicator, three indicators that that you may not know God as, as well as you think. Here's three very quickly. First and foremost, if you don't know him, you may experience a sense of powerlessness on a regular basis. Let me tell you something. The God that we serve is the creator of heaven and earth and of all the universe. The worship songs that we sing constantly speak of the greatness of our God and the power of our God and the victory of our God. So if you're one of his children and if you know him personally, you should never feel powerless. Now, I know that sometimes we do. Sometimes we fail. But listen, if you are consistently feeling like you don't have any power to go forward or, or God's forsaken you or there's not enough or, or, or you just don't have enough gumption to get there, there's probably something wrong with the relationship you have with God. Because if I know the God of the universe, I know that he loves me and that he's going to care for me and that he has promised that everything he has at his disposal is at my disposal as long as I am trekking with him, as long as I'm moving in his direction. So if you're experiencing a sense of powerlessness, it may be because you don't know God quite as well as you thought. 
Here's another one, second one. If you don't know him, you may experience frustration when you're trying to do the right thing. You know, the Bible does have a lot of rules and regulations. And, and church, we've created a lot of rules and regulations. And most of them are good rules. Most of them are rules that are designed to help us. But if you're trying to do the right thing and you're constantly frustrated that you're not able to succeed with that, it could be that the reason for that is you're, you're out of relationship with God. Because here's the thing. When you're trying to do the things that will build your relationship with God, it, it should be a joy to do so. Let me give you an example. When I met my wife, um, you know, there weren't necessarily rules of things that she wanted me to change or wanted me to do. But make no mistake about it, there certainly are things that I did in order to build a deeper and better relationship with her. And you know what? Those things that I did and those things that I may have given up and those things that I changed about my life in order to have a better relationship with her, I did them with joy. Why? Because I love her. And I still love her to this day. And some of those things that, that maybe were are things that she asked of me or that I perceived needed to happen because of our relationship, I didn't get frustrated with them for the most part because the feelings of love that I had for her superseded any frustration or any resentment for doing the things that she wanted me to do. And in the same way, when we follow God's plan and his will and when we obey him, we do it out of obedience and out of love for him. And when we do it out of love for him because we know him, then that shouldn't cause frustration into our lives. His commands should no longer be burdensome to us. One more, the third one. If you don't know him, you might find yourself from time to time looking at others in their relationship with God and envying that relationship because maybe, just maybe, it seems like they know him a little bit better and deeper than you do. And I'm here to tell you, if you really knew your heavenly father, you would know that he loves all of us the same, that he doesn't love one more than another. And there is no need to envy anyone else's relationship. And so we come back to that question. Do you know him? Do you love him? Listen, I, I got to tell you, if you want to know Christ more, then, then we have to come to know his love. Because if we come to know him, then we will understand his love. And when we do what we do, it will be out of love for him. In Philippians 3.10, the apostle Paul said some pretty striking words. Listen to these words. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that came from that, that raised him from the dead. And so when we come to know Christ, there is a power that takes over our lives. Okay, so, so if we're going to come to this place where we know Christ, if we're going to get to know him, and if we're going to know him because we love, how do we do that? What are the steps we take? Let me share with you very quickly three steps that will help you, I believe, to come to know him. The first one is we've, we've got to love him, not because we have to, but because he first loved us. I, I need to love him because he loved me first. Um, there's a scripture that kind of goes along with that. 1 John 4.19 says this, We love each other because he loved us first. Now, again, in the Greek, that, that each other part isn't necessarily there. So really it should be translated, we love, period, before, because he loved us. Listen, the only reason we know how to love others is because we've been loved by him. The only way that we can love him perfectly is because he loved us first. I, I got to tell you, no matter what you do and no matter what you've done, God still loves you. 
And his picture, as, as, as we say, is hanging on, or your picture is hanging on his fridge, even in the dark times when you're not following him and when you're not doing the things that he wants you to do. God loved you first. And because he loved you, you can love him. So instead of loving him out of some sense of duty or, or trying to obey him out of some sense of duty, we need to love him because he first loved us. Number two is this. We need to pursue him with all of our hearts. We have to go after him. We need to pursue him. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If you look for me, if you pursue me, if you chase after me. I, I don't know about you, but when I was, again, courting my wife, I pursued her, okay? It wasn't one of those situations where I'm like, oh yeah, I've met that girl. I just kind of let her, I did not play hard to get. Some of you may be in a situation where because of your looks or your intelligence, you could play hard to get and not pursue your spouse and she just came running to you or he just came running to you. I am not in that position, man. I pursued her. The moment I knew she was available, I started making gestures in her direction, at first subtle because I wasn't sure, you know, whether she was ready yet or not. But man, I'll tell you what, we developed a friendship and and it led to more and more and more. And as I got to know her, I pursued her and I wanted to know everything about her. Because when you really love something, you want to know everything about it and you're willing to chase them down. You know what? Our Heavenly Father desires to be pursued. And that's why when he he talked to the, the Jews in the Old Testament, he was constantly calling them to pursue him, to chase after him, to get to know him. He wants to have a relationship. If you look for me wholeheartedly, he says, you will find me. That's what he says in Jeremiah. And finally, the third one is this. I have to be willing to give him my life. This might be where I just lose some of you, right? Give him your life. Pastor, what do you mean, give him my life? My life is mine. My life is mine to control. I live in America. We believe in freedom. We believe in independence. I can't give my life away. Let me tell you something. If you give your life to him, he will give so much more back to you that you could never even dream or imagine it. Our God is the best steward of your life that you will ever find. He can do more with your life than you ever could. And listen to what Jesus said when he was here in Luke 9, 24. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Listen, this is part of the, the dichotomy of, of serving God. It's, it's one of those things that's really hard for us to understand. If we give away what we have, God will give back to us overflowing and heaped over so much more. We need to be willing to give our lives to him so that he can lead us, so that he can guide us, and so that we can be led by the Spirit of God instead of just following our own whims. Listen, this morning, I believe there's no more important thing than us coming to know God and loving him because of who he is and not just because of some lists that were made. And I want to invite you this morning to make a response of some sort. Now, I'm going to do this a little bit different than I've done it in the past. And I know some of you who are not technically savvy are going to freak out about this. But I want to encourage you, if you have a piece of paper in your purse or men in your wallet, you got a business card or something, I'm just going to have you write down one thing, and, and it's really short if you want to. Now, those of you that have a smart device, a cell phone, whatever, I'm going to give you a web address so you can actually respond on our website, on a page that is private, that only I can find and see. Well, actually, 
You can find and see it, but only I have access to the answers. And and I'm going to invite you to respond in a little bit different way. Okay, In just a moment, uh, we're going to have up on the screen a card that will show you what the four responses are. And again, the reason I'm asking you to respond is because this is the most important question that you can answer today. Because someday, whether you believe in God or not, you will stand at the judgment. The fact that some of you listening to my voice may not believe that there's a God, and I, I know that's probably the case, that doesn't change the fact that he exists. The fact that you don't believe him in him does not change the fact that one day you will stand before him. And on that day, I want every single one of you to know the right answer. And that answer is for Jesus to look at you and say, I know you. And that knowing can begin today. And so as that picture of uh, the, the response comes up on the screen, I want to walk you through it very quickly so that you can kind of take it in and, and look at it. And there's going to be at the bottom, there is actually a web address there that will tell you where it is that you need to go in order to respond to this. And uh, Jordan's got it flip-flopped. He's going to fix it here in a second. Uh, are you going to flip it? There we go. Look at that. He's good at this. Um, so I want to walk you through this very quickly. So on this response card, what it says is simply this. A is I already know God personally. So if you already know God and you have a relationship with him, I just want you to check that box and and encourage my heart that one of the people listening to the sound of my voice is right where they need to be and knows God and loves him. B is this. I want to begin a real relationship with God today. If, if you are interested in beginning that relationship with God today, I would love to know about that because I want to be able to celebrate with you. And it's the simplest process ever. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer, confessing your sins to God and, and expressing your belief in the death and resurrection of Jesus for your sins. And then you come and see me and we will talk more about what that looks like. C is I am considering what a relationship with God would be like. And this is for some of you that, that again, you're still asking questions. And, and if you're here today or listening to my voice today from wherever, I love that, man. I would love to someday have a church filled with people who aren't quite sure yet, but who are curious enough to come and to ask the question, what is God like? And, and how do I get to know him? And what is the impact gonna be on his life? If you'd like to know that, not only would I be happy to meet with you, but Pastor Chris would, Pastor Brian would, Pat Gil- Gilbert Wood, all of us that are in leadership of this church would love to share with you some of the answers to some of the questions you might have. So if you're considering that, I want you to put uh, number C. Now listen, if you're one of those people who might be listening to this, maybe somebody else roped you into it, or you just happen to come across it online and you don't really know what this is all about, maybe D is your answer. And that D is, I don't ever intend to make that decision. Well, I, I still want you to check that box. And these are anonymous. I won't know who you are, but here's why. I want you to check that box because whether you're interested or not, I want to pray for you. And I'm not just praying that you would get saved and join this church. What I'm praying for is that God would do wonderful things in your life, that God would bless you. Whether you decide to go after him or not, remember what I said, whether you decide you loved him yet or not, he still loves you. And I would love to be able to pray for you. And maybe next year at this time, When you come back and maybe reevaluate this, maybe you'll be on one of these other letters instead of letter D. So if you have a smartphone and uh, you know how to use it, I want to encourage you to go to the address that's at the bottom up there. It's simply northavenuechurch.com front slash respond. If you don't know how to get there and you know you're not going to be able to find it and you have paper, I would love for you just to record one of your answers. 
And here's what we're going to do. Excuse me, I'm getting a little hoarse. I'm going to invite Pastor Chris in just a few moments to come back and, and either close the service with prayer or maybe lead a song, whatever he feels the Spirit leading to do. And I'm going to leave the card up on the screen for 30 seconds. And I want to just invite you to look at those options and to try to determine for yourself where you stand in all of that. And listen, if you're in that place today where you are ready to make a decision for Christ, again, I want to encourage you to find one of your your peers here in the congregation to come see Pastor Chris, to, to track down Pastor Brian or Pastor Rob and just ask them the questions that are needed. I'm not present, but I'm praying for you. And I will be looking at these responses to see what some of you had to say. So let's pray together. And then I'm going to invite um, Jordan to put the, um, the card on the screen for the next 30 seconds. Pray with me. Dear Lord, I pray right now that you would be with each person within the sound of my voice, whether they're sitting here at North Avenue Church of God in Battle Creek, Michigan, or whether they're on the internet watching, as I probably am at this moment, from wherever I am. I pray that you would speak to their heart and help them to know where they are when it comes to this idea of knowing you. Whether their answer is A, B, C, or D, I want them to know that you love them anyway and that you are ready to have a gnosko kind of relationship with them and an intimate relationship where they get to know you and you get to know them. And because of that, I know that their life will be filled with good things. I pray that you would speak to our hearts now in these next seconds as we wait for you to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray.